Hi, everybody. This is Kim Honeycutt. And this is Dan. And Danielle. And so we're back together again. And I personally wish y'all could hear the conversation we had before we hit record. I do not. Do you I not. do not. It's career ending, isn't it? <laughs> yes. We have fun. God has a sense I of humor. I have no career. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. So we are about to hear a, a woman who's never shared her story. And she has so much to offer. Her name is Star Payne. She came a long distance. I think she came from Minnesota. Um, in the rain. In the rain. And we're in Charlotte, right? North Carolina. We're in Charlotte, Carolina, to, to speak and share her truth. And it was raw and vulnerable. And I don't think, amazing. Yeah, I don't think anybody there no. didn't connect to her. Yeah. It was a quick 10 minutes. It like, was. When she was it done, was. I was like, right. oh, she's done already. I, didn't, yeah, I wasn't it really ready for was it to be fast. over. Yeah. yeah. So enjoy what you're about to hear. She's amazing. Well, it only took Kim three and a half years to get me up here. So we'll see how this goes. Um, so when I was 13 years old, that was when my family first started going to church for the first time. And my parents picked a church that was extremely legalistic and where they were the youngest people in the congregation by at least 20, if not 30 years. And so being a 13-year-old and being told that you can't play cards, you can't dance, you can't listen to music, and that the only version of the Bible that was accurate was King James was very confusing. Um, you know, and that was just where my family felt comfortable. I didn't know there was an alternative. I thought that the Southern Baptist Church was where my family went. When we got baptized and we joined that church, I didn't know it was an option to go to a different one. I thought I had committed myself to that church. And so when the pastor would say things like, if you need, me if you need medication for mental health issues, there's something wrong with you. Or when he would say things that if you gained five pounds, you were gluttonous and there was something wrong with you. At you know, 13, 14 years old, that was a lot to hear and that was very hard to understand. And especially because around the same time, I was raped for the first time. And when I told somebody, their reaction to that was to take advantage of me sexually as well. I went and I told a friend what had happened and she told the school everybody that would listen. And so from there, there were girls threatening to beat me up all the time. I ended up getting kicked out of school for skipping so much school because I didn't know what else to do. I was terrified, I was confused, I was lost. And I felt like every time I told somebody what had happened, something worse happened. And so I started keeping all those things to myself. I began cutting myself. I began to have more and more eating issues. I began to act out in any imaginable way that a 13, 14, 15 year old girl could. From there, my mom didn't know what to do with me, so she brought me in and she got me on medication for depression and anxiety. So here I am, I'm already dealing with all these internal issues. This pastor is telling me if I'm on medication, there's something wrong with me. I have all these secrets I don't know what to do with. And it just really set the tone for the next you know, 15 years of my life, 20 years of my life because I just felt like I was wrong. There was something so wrong with me that I knew God, but to me, I didn't understand King James Version of the Bible, and so the pastor's interpretation was all I had to go by, and he was telling me I was wrong. And so when I was growing up and I was you know, in high school and went to college, and I mean, I just continued to be, be self-destructive. I would have horrible relationships, I was, you know, going in phases, I'm not necessarily the drug addict where I have a drug of choice. I'm just an addict where sometimes it's compulsive shopping, sometimes it's overeating, sometimes it's drinking, sometimes it's a combination of all of those things. 
as long as I was hurting myself, I was fine because I felt like I needed that. I needed to have that feeling, that pain, because I knew I wasn't worthy of anything. And so finally, after years and years of turmoil and chaos and just back and forth and destruction, I went to treatment, an inpatient program for 30 days. <laughs> and I thought, okay, this is it. I'm gonna go there, I'm gonna tell them what happened, I'm gonna just you know, give it all to them, and I'm gonna start this process of getting better. And the treatment center that I went to was honestly horrid. Uh, one of the staff members was sleeping with one of the girls in my apartment. There was you know, promises that you would go to church, you never went to church. There was just nothing there that helped you. And they kept you there for 30 days and they sent you home and good luck. And you know, so when I got home, it was I had no more tools than I had when I left. And now I had just admitted that I had a problem to everybody. So I was that much more vulnerable to people that I had managed to hide this from the rest of my life. And so I ended up relapsing and I ended up just still being just as big of a mess as I was. I had um, tried to find a therapist at home. There were some things going on where it was a conflict of interest for a lot of therapists to see me, but I found one. And I met with her the first time and it seemed like it was gonna be good. And I went back the next time and I had a Joyce Myers book with me. And she said that if I wanted to believe that, that was okay, but she wasn't, gonna, she wasn't gonna make that a part of our therapy. She didn't believe in God and she didn't understand why I would. And she definitely didn't understand why I got up and left. But I knew that that was not the person that was ever going to be able to help me. And at the time, this is still in my mind that the only version of the Bible I can read is King James, that taking medication is still wrong. But I just knew, I just knew there was more in there. I knew there was something more that I was missing and I needed that peace. So a couple months after this, I went to North Dakota to work and I do construction, so I travel all over the country. And I went out there and I went to church the first Sunday I was there and that led to Wednesday night church. And then they told me about a Tuesday night Bible study and the next thing you know, I was going to church five days a week. And that was where I finally realized that you can put your hands in the air when you're singing. And it's okay, you know, it's okay to, you know, really feel the Holy Spirit and it's okay. But, you know, I grew up thinking that if there was drums in a church, you left. You know, there was, you know, that was awful. That was the devil in there. You know, you didn't have that. And so when I went out there, I was very cautious. I sat in the back by myself, but I, you know, I really actually got a positive message. I got the message that God loved me and I didn't have to learn how to read King, King James and I didn't have to be anything but who I was and be his and belong to him and just had to accept that there was something better for me out there. And that was the most life-changing moment for me to realize that you know, I didn't have to know where I was going because he did. And if I just took those steps with him, I would get there. And so that's what I did. You know, he said I was going to church five times a week because I didn't know what else to do. And that was where I got my sobriety. And that was where I really started to see the changes in myself. And then that spring is when I actually went to Oklahoma City and I went to a life church for the first time. And for somebody who's never been to a church with more than 50 people in it, to walk into a life church with hundreds of people, I just cried because I could just feel the Holy Spirit in there. And it was so incredible to be able to just know that he was there. I am not a crier. And I bawled and bawled and bawled. And the lady around me said, are you okay? I was like, yes, I'm just so happy. <laughs> and I mean, I still listen to Craig Groeschel because I just feel like, you know, that was, you know, just a really huge push in the right direction for me that I needed. And so that was 
five years ago that I went to Oklahoma City and that I went to the Life Church. And since then, I don't know, I feel like I've done a pretty good 180 on who I was. You know, I honestly, I've started to take control of my eating. I've man managed to lose weight. I have a very clear path for my future. I haven't bought any bracelets lately. <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> I might have bought a puppy, but that's okay. But, you know, I've just managed to take control of my life and not by taking control, but by giving control to God to where I don't have to worry about things because he's got it and he's got a plan for me. And knowing that is way more than I ever could have hoped for. And, you know, having heard that about myself for so long is why ICU talks mean so much to me is because too many of us have heard that same message where there's something wrong with you. You don't believe hard enough. You don't pray hard enough. You don't love God enough. You're not good enough because you have to take medication for something that you can't control. And that's just not true at all. And so I still have a long way to go. I might be a lot less lost than I was, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but I feel like I have a long ways to go. And being here is definitely the beginning of where that next leg in my journey is going to take me. And I am so grateful and appreciative to Kim for the opportunity to be here and the encouragement to be here and all of you to listening to my story. So thank you all. Thanks again for joining us. ICU Talks is a mental health ministry founded on God, education, validation, and community. ICU Talks hosts live events that occur on the third Tuesday of every month, allowing people to come forward to share their authentic stories involving mental health in front of a live audience. Please subscribe to our podcast, and we'd be very pleased if you would leave us positive and uplifting comments. Keep in mind, all original ICU Talk sessions are available on YouTube. And for more information, please go to icutalks.org. It's been a pleasure having you join us today.